New York, the city that never sleeps and never eats all its vegetables. I had just returned to my office after a case involving a scheming widow and a once-dead reverend. I'd left the office that afternoon packing so much heat, it was hard to put both feet on the floor at the same time. But now I was back. There was nothing left for me here. Just an empty whiskey bottle, a desk covered in old newspapers I hadn't read, and a throat so dry I could have sandpapered the rough edges off the Great Wall of China. I snapped the blinds shut and peered through them to the street below. There was something in the pool of light under the street lamp. It returned to my stare, stonily. There was a knock on the door. Hello? Who is it? The door opened. In walked a brunette with more curves than a mountain path and cleavage that could knock your hat off from across the room. The name's Grail. You Mr. Diamond? Yeah, that's me. What can I do for you? Sorry about the hat. You read this? He dropped a newspaper onto my desk. He clearly wasn't the observant type. You clearly aren't the observant type, Mr. Grail. What do you mean? Look around. See anything that suggests I'm a reader? Are you saying you haven't read the paper? I guess I am. Then why didn't you say so? Not my style. Well, have a look now. Page 17, right at the bottom. I did. City mayor denies feeding hot dogs to dogs? Next column along. Squid people spotted walking among us. I heard about that. Crazy talk. Thought you hadn't read the papers. I haven't. Listened to podcasts, though. But what's this got to do with me? I want you to investigate. Bring one back to me for my collection. How? I mean, where am I supposed to start? Here's the address. But that's somewhere in England. I know. Don't worry. I'll pay your expenses. Do you know anything about these squid people? Any leads I might be able to follow up? There is one thing. Whenever they're spotted, there's a sound. An eerie, haunting sound. Like this? No, more sort of musical than that. Oh, like this? Yeah, that's it. Hello, and welcome to the Oodcast, Series 5, Episode 6. And today, we're all here, opposite me, Looking at me with a big, big grin is the lovely Laura. <laughs> Hello, how are you? I'm good. Goody gumdrops. And then to my left is Chris Alpha. He's also got a grin because I went goody gumdrops. <laughs> Hello, yes, yes. You're very funny, Andy. Oh, ooh. cheers, mate. And Chris Sigma is twiddling his knobs on the mixing desk. Hello, yes. Doing a little bit of production design. Lovely. My voice is sounding much better. And uh, so, yes, today we're going to talk about the Angels Take Manhattan, are we not? We, we are. are, yes. It actually, seems that way. Actually, can I can I talk about um, something else? Sure, for if, a while. If you yeah. feel so inclined. No, 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 I think it's fine. We'll stick with Doctor Who for now. Okay. Well, I suppose it's what we're here for. Merlin starts next week. Hooray! And, uh, not to mention Strictly <laughs> Come Dancing. Yes! 
And the X Factor continues, does it not, with great big finale things? I actually haven't seen any of that. Has it started? I don't know. What's oh. X Factor? <laughs> it's something <laughs> multiplication on the telly. It's something to do with chromosomes. I don't know. <laughs> it's the Udcast News. News. Hello and welcome to the Oodcast News. Either we're going to send you back in time and feed off your potential news energy, or we'll just snap your neck. There's really no way to tell. A BBC Wales source has confirmed there will be a multi-Doctor 50th anniversary story entitled Doctors vs. Murkers. Authorities in New York City have appealed to citizens to not throw themselves off tall buildings when they come across a paradox. Sales of miniskirts at Topshop have taken a nosedive. Sales of feathery hats and bustles, on the other hand, have shot up. Twelve weeks to Doctor Who! Twelve weeks to Doctor Who! Uh, I mean, until Christmas. Incidents of people becoming terrified at the sight of statues thanks to Doctor Who reached a new height last weekend with 17 street performers needing emergency treatment after unprovoked attacks on them by passers-by. Police were taking a sympathetic line towards the attackers, however, with several officers refusing to attend an attack in Trafalgar Square in case Admiral Nelson hurt them. The Romney campaign has criticised President Obama over his administration's handling of the temporal crisis. Handing defence of our nation during a time of domestic terrorism and invasion over to an illegal alien was irresponsible and I would have done it better, said candidate Romney, and with 47% fewer poor people. That was the Oodcast News, telling you the news before it happens, and therefore creating a paradox and destroying all of time. Oodcast News did we all like Angels Take Manhattan? Um, yes. Okay. Well, Let's I move did. on then. <laughs> or did you dislike it? You're, you're perfectly free to dislike an episode of Doctor Who. I think my major reaction was... I thought it was fine. It wasn't a great episode and it wasn't a bad episode. It was, it was Doctor Who. I love Doctor Who. It was good, but I don't think it was super memorable or anything it wasn't really i i think i built it up into my mind to be an episode of the caliber of blink or the 11th hour something that was going to be truly mm. spectacular and it just wasn't that for me it had a lot of moments that you had to sort of just go oh that probably just works the logic wasn't so rock solid ironically it was a for bit a like episode um, about rocks it was a bit like a badly made jumper that you get at Christmas from like an aunt who's very, very dear to you. And it's full of holes and it looks a bit funny in places, but you're still going to put it on and wear it and get warm in it because hey, somebody who loved you made it for you. It's a new, lovely episode of Doctor Who and we should never be sad about that. But I don't know. I wonder if the ponds deserve something a little bit more memorable. I felt very similar in the logic of the ending doesn't quite hold up for me i can understand why the paradox of destroying the western key place and, winter is keying and changing the uh the life of amy and rory that is set 
out obviously you know they live out the rest of their life in new york until they're in their 80s changing that would also destabilize the fabric of space-time or whatever but there's nothing stopping the doctor going to see them there's nothing stopping them actually going off on adventures with him provided they get back to new york uh, to live out their life into their 80s so i mean mm. there isn't even anything in amy's afterward to say that that doesn't happen so I do wonder if somehow either I've missed something or it just doesn't quite work. I think they're bound to the paradox. And so therefore, any more time travel shenanigans of any sort, sort of, they don't, they shouldn't exist anymore. And they mm. do. It, they're like a kind of a unarmed time bomb now. Mm. And any more kind of meddling with them in any way could have massive effects to the universe. I guess that's one way of thinking about it. I don't know mm. if there are any of our listeners who make jewellery, but there's something that's particularly annoying that happens when you work with uh, jewellery wire, where you can bend it and twist it into the most gorgeous shapes, but if you just do it just that one time too many, it'll snap off and the whole yeah. thing will rupture and break, and perhaps that's how the ponds are. Yeah, the ponds are fine jewels that have been shaped into an exquisite shape, but now can be bent. No, 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 no. <laughs> now can be snapped off, leaving something really annoying. That's what I love about recording with you guys. Thanks. Is that you always make an image that makes the episode work in my head. Back through time, 
Um, I don't necessarily disagree with you, but I thought the ending made a lot more sense from just Amy's point of view because it finishes rounding off her character because it, it marks the kind of the end of her journey from being someone who is obsessed with someone other than her husband to someone who is now who has realised that she cannot live without her husband and doesn't really need the raggedy man. The through line of her character arc is it's perfect. I, I, I agree with with some aspects, though. Like The paradox should have got rid of them all but there was one survivor were they abroad at the time i don't understand why why that was missed i don't i don't know a lot more of the episode made sense to me than i've heard other people saying if if this if that sentence is actually a valid sentence okay tell us more well i've heard a, i've read a lot of reviews in newspapers and things the last few days no i've not seen anything that made me angry particularly um because it, it it generally seems to be quite happy but a little bit underwhelmed which is yeah. the sense i'm getting that's how i guys. would describe myself happy but a um, little underwhelmed but the things they pick on to complain about don't make sense to me because there was some uh, there were there were things about um uh, well hang on metal statues can now move but there was something in another episode about the angels being able to disguise themselves as metal mm. So that's not a problem. And the, there was a criticism about the front end of the episode, the setup with whatever his name was, Sam Garner or something like that, mm, wasn't it? Mike McShane, wasn't he great? Well, yeah, he yeah. was the other guy. Oh, yeah. But he <laughs> and with, with, with that being just like a non-sequitur of a plot, it's sort of it's left there and it doesn't make any sense with the rest of it. But that did to me because that appeared to be part of the book that River was writing. Mm. It and was it also, part of the book yeah, and it also so, set the style. It set, set yeah, the yeah. film noir style. So and it sets it, up the winter... Key. Yeah. Yeah. Sort of a mob boss who uses the angels as his ultimate cleaning men. They get a body and then it just disappears. There's no need to employ somebody to clear up the brains or rub down all of the exudations. <laughs> then, yes, there was that weird thing of why is he feeding the angels? Why is he feeding the place where the angels mm. live? And also, who are those crazy women who 
stand around watching the angels building? Is it that they're sort of an appointed guard? Are they people who are trapped inside the building already? You know, the creepy you, little girl. Do you mean the people at the windows? Yeah. Mm. Well, I thought they were inside the building and they were oh. looking out and they yeah. were like, you don't want to come in here, it's horrible sort of thing. I thought that, that, made a lot that of was sense. one of the two really creepy, mm. really creepy moments was when the girl kind of mm. put her hands over her face and then took them away again. That, that was quite scary. And then the angel did it below. I thought that was... Mm. That and the babies in the cellar. Ah, good morning. There's no need to look so nervous, is there? It's my first school inspection, that's all. The children are all inside playing games with the teaching assistant. Excellent. So we have some time to discuss how things are going before I observe a lesson? Definitely. Please have a seat. Thank you. So, how do we think the term has been going? Well, I think the children are certainly responding to the curriculum we set them. Wonderful. How far along are they with the physical education side of things? Have they completed their first captures yet? Most have, yes. The rest have come quite close to it. No incidents this year, then? None at all. And I did say after the accident last year that it was not my fault that the two humans threw themselves off a roof... Paradox is such a difficult problem to shift. Quite. Well, we should really look to the future. How are the class doing with the quantum locking part of their lessons? Oh, quite well. They know not to look directly at each other. Although I had a problem with one of the class, little Alice, realising that using a mirror they can stop me talking in the middle of a lesson. How did you deal with that? The teaching assistant checks them all over each morning to make sure they can't bring one in. Good. Good. And and the mealtimes? Well, those who don't bring impact lunches accompany one of us to catch and wrangle some potential energy to feed on. No one goes without. Excellent. Well, I I think we're about done. Oh, and speak of the devil. Here's my teaching assistant. What can we do for you, Pumice? I'm awfully sorry to disturb you, Mrs Basold, but there's been a bit of an accident. How bad is it? I'm sure it's nothing serious. We were playing games to do with nursery rhymes. No. And we'd already done Humpty Dumpty and everything else we could think of. Oh, you didn't. And one of the children suggested we do Ring-a-Ring-a-Roses. I didn't see the harm it could do. And now they're all quantum locked. Yes. Well, all except Alice. What's she up to? Well, she refused to join in and came to the window a moment ago to see who our visitor was. And now they're quantum locked too. Marvellous. You know what this means, don't you? Another bad report for the school. No, it means we'll just have to keep Alice looking at the inspector for a while. He might just forget it all. Quantum amnesia affects one in three of us, you know. really worked for that moment is um i think the incidental music again murray gold's music was brilliant because of course he's underpinned everything with this uh, choir this vocals um mm. which has a very kind of where are you sound going on with it and he's uh, made a lot of use of echoes with the vocal patterns as well so it's just you know mm. voices repeating and repeating and calling out <laughs> I think it's fair to say we don't give enough praise to Murray Gold because this is a man who's scored every single episode since the series came back seven years ago. Mm-hmm. And the breadth and the ability of his talent to encompass so many different kinds of uh, televisual or filmic styles is, is breathtaking. I'm, I'm glad you said that because he gets a lot of stick, I think, from people who think that um, 
the music is too intrusive or too loud in certain parts. But I barely notice it some weeks. I think it's but it, it obviously heightens my sense of what's going on. So he's doing the job. And actually, when I sit and listen to it back afterwards on the albums, I really enjoy it. And there was one point where I started humming along with the uh, classical piece that was playing in the background. And I thought, oh, well, this must be from something that I know already. Mm. And it was, but it was because it was something, a theme that he'd written and developed that had played in previous episodes. Oh. And and now it really does ground you with each character. Some of the stuff that I really loved, I love the fact that the cinematography was a love letter to the film noir genre. It was all high angles, high contrast, light and shadow. There was all the tropes of, you know, played really well. Mm. And I really loved the before title sequence. I thought it was a great little noir. Uh, and everyone had believable American accents, which was nice too. So it, the, the look of it was still great. Um, I agree with Alpha that Amy and Rory's characters have gone on this great journey and I thought that was beautiful. I love the fact that there was something in the 11th hour that they returned to at the very last moment yeah. so that Amy Pond is this cyclical character and that we, we get to go right the way back to the first time she appeared. That was beautiful. So there are great things about the episode. At, for me, not quite the sum of its parts. What you were saying about the way that the titles were done, um, there were two things about the titles that I really liked. The old typewriter that they write on. Uh, I really like that because when I was little, I used to have a typewriter and I used to just sit there and hit the keys randomly and then my dad would make me laugh by reading out the garbage <laughs> that I typed. <laughs> like that, it was awesome. But also, did anybody else notice when they switched from time period to time period, they found a way of incorporating what time it was and where within the screen? Um, oh, yes. So when they go to China, it's balanced on the edge of a plate, mm -hmm. which was brilliant. It was very kind of fringe, I thought. Using a hard-boiled thriller to be the communication device between river and the doctor was an excellent little mm, yeah, script yeah. detail and then the vases later on was was a lot of fun too particularly because you know how many uh, bad tattoos there are out there with sort of crazy things written on people's backs and shoulders and <laughs> one of them could be yowza who knows <laughs> i very much enjoyed the stephen moffat tropey type thing of them suddenly realizing they're reading about themselves in a book and like how do we end up yeah. in a book well, he's done similar things like that before, hasn't he? Like where he steps into the uh, the film that's playing in the Christmas Carol. Um, mm, yeah. What else has he done lots like that? Well, there's the the, the DVD extras mm. in Blink. Yeah, I just love stuff like that. I quite liked the whole idea of uh, New York being bombarded with distortions in the time vortex and things and, and it being very hard to land. But it made me think of something a bit weird. You know how mosquitoes <laughs> fly through rain? Do they? Yeah. Basically, they're so small that people were thinking that if it rains, they'll get bashed out mm. of the air by a raindrop. But what happens is they allow their bodies to be sort of absorbed and curved through each water droplet. Mm. So their path just wobbles and twists around. Wow. And there was that funny thing as the TARDIS is landing where it's just bashing around everywhere yeah. and River's shouting that he's going to break New York. And just bounced off 1938. <laughs> yeah, he's just curving around all the distortions. <laughs> Something that I thought was a bit of a difference between 1938 and um, the present day, which was really strange, I thought that the concentration of angels that they had in 1938 couldn't really be possible in modern day because there's so much CCTV, mm. constant video footage, people watching the city that never sleeps. 
I didn't understand that in a city where somebody is always awake, always watching, you could have a species that needs to be undetected in order to survive. That's so I why they invaded in the 30s rather than the... Noughties. Teenies. I've got a bit of a beef with Rory as well. <gasps> no. Yeah, do. Rory's we awesome. love Rory. Well, he says you must be the only person who finds people sexy in books. What? Yes, I, I went what at that as well. Idiot. You take that back about Rory. <laughs> <laughs> I once had a crush on Roger the Dodger. <laughs> he was he was very thrifty. He was. He had good hair. Or oh. well, maybe Rory's never had a crush on anyone in the book. It's quite possible. He's Amy's a, in the a, book. He's a nurse. He, he can't possibly have enough time to read that many books. Mm, quite so, Ralph. Rory's fine. Yeah, Rory's all right. But why do the angels need sharp teeth and claws? Because they like a good steak. What? Yum, yum, yum. They don't. We've worked very hard all day sending all these people back in time so we can build our strength up. I, well, now let's have a lovely steak. Mm, yum, yum. We know the answer to that, though, don't we? What? Well, it's their preferred means of killing to send people back in time, but sometimes they have to fight. So they still need to have natural weapons. Well, they just snap people's necks. You don't need pointy things to do you that. You don't know how they do it. They could take their teeth and bite the neck until the bones are broken. <laughs> <laughs> and at any point, you know, you, you might feel a slight sensation and look down. <laughs> There's other things. Pausing mid-chew. We've only seen them versus humans. Mm. What happens when they attack something that's tougher? Like a lion or a hyena. Plus, it's scary. Something else that I thought was quite amusing is the doctor says, I don't know, we're in New York. Like, we're in New York. How could I possibly have any idea what's happening? Which I found quite funny because obviously he's quite used to being in London and Cardiff and places <laughs> like that. I hadn't thought of that. But they did, they did go slightly over the top with the New York references in the at the beginning of the first scene of them in New York. Mm-hmm. What with the whole... Englishman in New York thing that I could have done without. Um, and uh, the, the presence of Sting in most things I could do without, I think. <laughs> you. Um, <laughs> now, unless you're talking about Dune, that just doesn't fly. No, I'm not talking about that, just in general. But then there was also the glasses that Amy was wearing is a, is a pretty obvious reference to a Woody Allen film. It's, it's either Annie Hall or Manhattan. I can't remember. It's probably Annie Hall. Mm. And I did like the way the cat's mm. slipping down her nose. Made me laugh. I like the fact that Rory's middle name is Arthur. Yeah. Mm. Can we talk about the characterization and, and what different dialogues mean for the Doctor and mean for this incarnation as a Doctor? Mm. In this episode, people let him down a lot or he feels let down by people a lot. People aren't quite performing. They're not quite up to the standard that he wants because they are very human. And at one point, Amy tells him to just get on with the science stuff. And is that because he's not very good at people? And River talks about what it's like to be in love with a 900-year-old god with the face of a 12-year-old and the sort of the hurt that's involved with that. And the rest is pretty bad too. Worse than having to break your own wrist, which is just <gasps> horrible. <sighs> mm-hmm. Even though he's got this sort of level of easy familiarity with her, he just sort of kisses her as he runs off. It was good because it showed relationships, even marriages, as not being finished, finite things. So one of the reasons that I knew that the moment on the ledge between Amy and Rory wasn't going to be the last that we saw of them was because Rory sort of has a bit of a grumble at her. You always tell me that you're wrong. The one time that I need you to not tell me that I'm wrong, you can't do it. Like, quite resentful. Mm. And the idea that, you know, there was still something more to come from that, I really liked. Yeah, I I like that very much. Although I did glance at my clock as they 
jumped off the roof and I thought, oh my goodness, there's only like five or six minutes left. This, I hope this isn't the end. But what you were saying about the whole family unit and the, the marriage thing, um, that really struck me as well. When they're in the lobby and he heals her wrist and they start bickering, it just feels so real that these four people are so entwined in a, a relational sense that they can just bicker and say what they feel to each other. Uh, and that, for some reason, really kicked off the emotional side of things for me. I was like thinking, we've come so far with these characters. It's going to be so sad when this ends. Mm. There are all bits seeded through the episodes which remind you of how far they've come, like um, mm. when they're falling together from the from the rooftop. Amy's hair does exactly the same thing as when she was flying out of the oh, TARDIS yeah. and on her first time in space. The one last thing that I noticed, which sort of confirms Alf's point, about earlier how she's evolved from a woman who's obsessed with the doctor and doesn't really care about her husband she writes her name in the postscript as amelia williams mm. and it sort of shows mm. that she's really not amy pond anywhere anymore any sorry anymore it's on the gravestone as well yeah mm-hmm. she's older than rory is when he dies according to the gravestone yeah but women so, live longer than men and i know it just that seems a little bit of extra sadness on the end i hate <laughs> yeah. the idea of that <laughs> I can't believe that we've got to the end of the review without mentioning the Statue of Liberty. Why didn't it run round the other side of uh, Western Quay to catch them as they fell off the roof? That would have solved the paradox. <laughs> because massive <laughs> statues can run that fast. <laughs> well, you probably could have reached over and stopped them. Yeah. I found that really funny because the, the sound effects, the foley for it coming... It, boom, boom. Well, I wonder what think, that can be. You know, <laughs> that might be because every now and again somebody sort of looks over and catches it mid stride and it's just like, whoop, <laughs> just stops in the middle of the harbour. Whoop, you nearly got me, but don't worry, everything's fine. Anyway, yeah, that was quite amusing. Did anybody else notice Matt Smith doing a, a 10 and being, I'm so, so sorry at the end? No. A, a 10 or a Nick Clegg. I, I bet that will be remixed and put on YouTube sometime <laughs> this week. I only mention it because cause I watched again The End of Time and I found that a lot more emotionally hard-hitting, but a bit more flamboyant, I suppose, than this one. Either way, the reason I like this more than I liked that is because this was sort of more emotionally understated and not overblown. It felt earned. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas the others were sort of set up for a return in some ways, except for David, except for the end of time. Rose was always set up, you know, she was always accessible in another dimension. This seems more permanent and it felt more permanent at the time. And I like that. So all in all in all, then it's a good emotional drama that's maybe not as amazing as the episodes that preceded it, but wraps up the story of Amy and Rory in a satisfying manner nearly that's not entirely unreasonable well all i can say is after seeing it i can't wait until christmas because i kind of feel like i've been eating a burger and then somebody's taken it away when i'm like two or three (laughs) bites in yeah i know i know i wish it could carry on i think having a new companion and a new set of possibilities is going to rejuvenate the show as it always does And I really can't wait. And this was a satisfying ending. I don't know how Amy and Rory are going to fit into the history of the show, whether they're going to be a massive chapter or just a footnote. But it was a great story told brilliantly uh, over a long period of time. And that is a huge achievement. So well done, Stephen Moffat. We look forward to what you bring us next. Here, here. Um, Here is the haiku then for The Angels Take Manhattan. Stoned Metropolis, rescued by their sacrifice. 
Last word always hers. Stoned Metropolis. I know, you cheeky chappy. <laughs> Where are they? I ordered room service about an hour ago. They're never going to come if you just constantly look through the spy hole. But I'm just so hungry, and the reviews of Winter Key Hotel said their room service was exceptional. Look at me, Tim. No, I have to keep an eye out for my steak and kidney pudding. Look at me. Just a minute. Look at me. What? Your food's here. Great. Someone's put a statue out there holding my tray. That's weird. I'll open this door and see what it's all about. Oh, uh, the statue's gone now. It seems to be halfway down the corridor with all the dirty linen under one arm. Strange. What's the statue of? An angel. Just like the ones at the end of our bed that look like they're changing the sheets. It's a lovely feature. Yeah, a lovely, creepy feature. I wonder who did the interior decoration. Someone who liked angels. And freaking people the hell out. What's on TV? Not much, just an angel statue that comes closer and closer to the screen every time I blink. Mmm, art house rubbish. I'm not very impressed with the entertainment full stop. I mean, this paper's from ten years ago for a start. Yes, And this calendar on the wall, you'd think someone would have changed it in the last decade. We don't even have dry towels. I'm going to turn my back on it in disgust. Oh no, actually, we we do have dry towels. My mistake. Right. I'm going to go and have a look out the window. How's it looking? We are really close to the Statue of Liberty. Well, that is the end of... The reviews of Doctor Who, as it's the end of the series. So we're going to go back to being fortnightly now. We're not even sure what we're going to do, but we'll work it out. It will be brilliant. But until then, see you all later. Bye-bye. Goodbye. Bye for now. In the chambers of your hearts The sun it rises slowly as you turn Away from all the blame and all the ones you've left behind Flashes of the soul that lies beneath Angry God or lonely frightened thief But I have been the same, I know the pain in your defeat straight and I won't make you wait there's no need for a final check and I found strength in pain and I know your true name I'll come with you if you call again
So get back on your feet and move along. Time is passing even with them gone. You can trust my judgment when I say your mind is strong. So make the rotors whine and travel on through time. I will not hear what you have to say, cause you need care.